Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Chats with Kat. I hope you are all doing fantastic. Before we get into this episode, I want to wish you all a very happy new year. I hope by now you've set some goals for yourself and clarified your vision for the next 12 months. And if not, it is not too late to do that. Um, My boyfriend and I actually spent the last week sort of off the grid in this little town in New Jersey called Spring Lake. I celebrated my 26th birthday with him there and honestly just just spent a lot of time thinking. I reflected a lot on myself and the inner workings that I want to focus on healing in 2019 and a lot of time thinking about my creative process and plan I felt pretty good as we got ready to head back to Brooklyn, but somewhere along the line, I began to feel pressure that I didn't actually get enough done, which is frustrating because that's part of the thing I want to work on is being more patient in the process of life and all of these things. So, you know, I I just can't have all of the answers all of the time and I have to learn how to be okay with working at a slow and steady pace. You know, like, please learn from me. Don't be too hard on yourself as you work on your projects and on your dreams. And as my wit always says, cogelo suave y dale poco a poco, because honestly, we really can't do everything at the same time. And it is okay to just be on the journey that you are on. That's fine, you know? Before we jump into this week's epic epic interview i want to give a shout out to Maraldi, who left a review in the apple podcast app saying cat's genuineness and openness shine through every episode of this podcast i especially love her solo episodes where she dives in allowing herself to be vulnerable and be seen by everybody who listens she tackles very real struggles with truth courage and resilience Moraldi, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. It means a lot that you feel where I'm coming from in my work and are impacted by my words. This is why I do what I do, honestly. For those of you who haven't yet left a review, please go and do so for a chance to get shouted out next week. As some of y'all know, I tried reaching 100 reviews before the end of 2018 and got to 95, which is super, super close. So thank you for those of you who showed me love. But just because it's a new year, it doesn't mean that y'all can't keep them coming. So go ahead and sprinkle some loving words into the Apple podcast app, please. All right. On this week's episode, I chat with the one and only spiritual advisor, Emilia Ortiz. This badass Puerto Rican Brooklynite is not your typical spiritual healer. If you've ever watched her 30 second therapy videos for Paper Magazine, you'll know what I mean. What I love about Emilia's work is that she unmasks much of the taboo around indigenous Afrocentric spiritual practices and is an unapologetic advocate for mental health and awareness. She gives A1 advice on her various platforms and truly feels drawn to assist and inspire those who are struggling, which I admire and I support because God knows we cannot have enough advocates and healers in this world we have so much (laughs) that we're trying to heal in this world and that is why i truly 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 appreciate and support what emilia is doing as you'll hear throughout our chat emilia began making her thoughts and struggles public after the passing of her father in hopes of helping others embrace authentic healing and self-care we cover how her abuela helped her align with her spiritual roots, why she rides for Brooklyn so hard, how she came to terms with her own mental health journey, and so, so, so much more. I'm truly, truly thrilled to have her on the show. And as always, if there's anything shared that you think somebody that you love can truly benefit from, press that share button and spread the wisdom. 
Without any further delay, here is my chat with Emilia. Hi, Emilia. Thank you so much for sitting down to chat with me. Thank you for having me. Of course. This is a pleasure. I wasn't sure if you were going to say yes. It was one of those things where it's like, you know, I really think my audience would love to hear from this amazing woman. And I was like, let's see if she'll say yeah. And you said yeah. And here we are. And you're about to, like, let us into <laughs> all of these amazing aspects of yourself and your journey. And I really hope that um, my audience is inspired by you because that's what I this is so all about. Too. I know it. I know it. <laughs> it's the season for inspiration, yes. not for, you know, holiday greetings because I feel like all of us probably feel like the Grinch after, you know, having President Trump for a year. Oh. How can any of, I mean, I'm just saying, how can any of us really get into the spirit of the holidays? Like, you know, so it might be the, you know, the holiday season for inspiration rather than everything else. It's true. Like, yes. It's like, all right, we can do next year. Yeah. We're not going to die after we're going to make it through Christmas and all this bullshit. We're going to make it together. And yeah, through just (laughs) hoping to like picture a different reality for ourselves. Um, on another note, his like attorney got sentenced to three years today. Oh, look at that. So, I mean, honestly, in my opinion, it's just getting closer to him. I'm saying, like, like you know, it's like, you know, you're knocking off you know, everybody around like, him. Yeah. And just, people don't even want to work for him. So he's like, why he looking around like, yo, <laughs> anybody? I feel like the only people he's going to get at a point are just people who can't even do the job with like any, you know, kind of decent standard. Yeah. And then they just gonna send him to jail for us exactly. <laughs> because they just gonna be a trash ass lawyer like it's not even gonna be like we had to work hard like it's gonna be like now you're getting locked up because no your lawyers are just <laughs> your lawyers shook <laughs> now you are a victim of the system yeah. <laughs> like listen sometimes karma does things that we could never have manifested on our own it's so true that is because i'm saying the rest of us are thinking like you know there's got to be a JFK situation or something. And I'm here like, Ivan Dito, please no. Like, <laughs> because, you know, we all know if something like that happens again, that is going to end up reflecting on the rest of us very poorly as citizens. Yep. And that's not fair yeah. to us. Yeah. You know, and I'm not even a big person on, like, you know, an eye for an eye in that yeah. regard. Because yeah. I'm sorry, but death is too easy. Yep. I want you to be in jail thinking about what you did. Yeah. I'm one of those people. Yeah. If you did something wrong, I want you in jail thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for the rest of your life i'm that asshole (laughs) like i admit it like no you need to be on punishment like you need to go in the corner you know for the rest of your life basically and go think about what you did yeah (laughs) which i don't think he's ever done in his whole life no i don't and but that's what i'm saying the rest of his life because he's almost at the end of it so you know it's not like he's this young white man that they all claim has the rest of his life ahead of him ain't much left of (laughs) it so what's the problem i don't understand (laughs) truth <laughs> i'm just saying like all the all the excuses they usually give i'm kind of like well like he's at the end of it so yeah. you know there's nothing left ahead of him yeah why should i don't even know why we let you know people that age decide what happens to the rest of us like you about to be gone yeah before half the shit like you put in place actually affects people yeah <laughs> like, i mean like it's like unless they were like a positive person who like oh bernie has, like, sanders per- i got a whole exactly, other listen, exactly. listen and i admit that yeah. i'm like listen i got a double standard yeah. and that's horrible but I'm like whatever listen yeah. bernie standard bernie sanders is the new standard i have to say yeah that's my my thing for old people yeah you cannot be bernie sanders and you know what <laughs> i don't know this is a problem 
long. Yep. <laughs> you spent this much time on this planet and you still ain't figured this shit out. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, so I want to get into you. Yes. Enough about yes, that person. Yes. Uh, People oh. shall not be named. Yes, seriously. <laughs> what were you like as a kid? I was a very interesting child for a number of reasons. Um, a lot of people would probably envision me to be a very loud and in-your-face child. And I had my moments, like any kid does. But I was definitely a lot more shy. Um, I still have shy moments. but I And I'm still definitely that kid who doesn't go up to people first to make friends. Like, that's still me. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a kid, and I you know, have kind of reflected on this... Um, a lot recently, especially as my birthday's about to be next week, um, a teacher of mine, because I had gone through some old shit, you know, that my mother had of mine, and it had, um, you know, a bunch of my report cards. And I was like, wow, what better way for me to take a look at, like, what I was as a child than a fucking report card? Yeah. Like, you know? Because I feel like what we ask our parents and the people, that, you know, that we know, obviously you could have a teacher who didn't like you and just wrote some fucked up shit about you, right? Mm-hmm. But there's also that piece of this person is not connected to you the same way your friends and your family were. Mm -hmm. So their opinion of you is going to be a bit different. And I have to say I got lucky where my mother still had one of, like, my favorite teacher's report cards. So I was like, all right, it's the teacher I actually fucked with. Yeah. Okay. And it was my first grade teacher. And... I remember her, Miss Wanda. Oh, my God. She was such a phenomenal fucking woman. Like, she deadass changed my life for a lot of reasons because she ain't take no bullshit when it came to me. <laughs> there were certain moments where she was like, Miss Emilia, you speak Spanish at home. I don't know why you acting like you don't know this in Spanish class. And I'm there like, I'm just too shy to talk. But all right, you right, Miss. <laughs> but on the report card, she spoke about my empathy. And she was like, I worry that she is so empathic that she will not put herself first in life. And she went on to explain that it was because she watched me, you know, even with toys, Mm -hmm. right? I could be playing in something, I mean, really invested in the toy, you know, got my whole shit going. And some other kid could come up to me and want to play with the toy. And even if I'm really fully invested and really wanted to, she was like, she gave them the toy because she saw that they wanted it and she wanted to appease that you know what i mean like mm-hmm. be nice and she was like she just is so empathic that she gives in and doesn't put herself first mm-hmm. and that was really big for me because i was like wow i still do that to this day you know um i have moments where obviously like just like anybody else i can you know be a bit self-absorbed because we all can mm-hmm. but i do still to this day a lot of the time put a lot of people's needs before my own because i see and feel how you know needy or whatever the situation is mm-hmm. and i just was like wow wanda you read me from cover to cover wow. i was not ready for that <laughs> like i wasn't ready for that i'm like wow you should have been doing like children intuitive readings. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know why you was a teacher. Like you were a great teacher, but you could have been doing that too and In making the first money. First grade. First grade. And that really that was so interesting for me to read as an adult because, you know, I, I feel like as children, that's when our empathy and all of our, you know, our intuition and our imagination and all these things are at their peak mm-hmm. because nobody has shot them down yet. Yep. You know, we haven't become jaded by the world. People haven't told us that those things aren't real, you know, even though they are real. You know what I mean? People haven't said that's not real yeah. or whatever yet. Yeah. And even at, in first grade, she could recognize something that at, you know, almost 27 now 
I dead ass still seeing myself. And I was just like, wow. Maybe I should have had to read my report card at that age instead of just my parents because I didn't see this until an adult. And maybe if I had seen it before, I would have known better. Yeah. Instead of reading all the ones we read in middle school and shit where it's like, this is already a very difficult time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And whatever you know, middle school teachers have to say about you, more often than not, even if you are doing good, there's still some fucked up shit in there because you're trying to figure out who you are. Yep. So for me to read something where I had not even had this inkling of I didn't know who I was yet, mm-hmm. because, you know, when we're kids, we don't necessarily doubt our identity. Yep. Um, you know, even at that moment, that's who I was. Mm. Even back in first grade, who I am now, it's the same person in essence. Isn't that crazy to, to know that, that like at first in the first grade who like your core is even now as an adult was already established exactly that's what's so crazy to me i was just like wow that's like and that really is just so fascinating for me because you know just also being a healer and all this other shit you know it really does go back to what i always tell people when i say like you know people are not necessarily born inherently evil or this or that you know things happen And they can shift how what our core is, you know, exhibits itself in life. For me, a lot of things, you know, fucked up shit did happen to me. And I was somebody who, you know, went the other way because I was so empathic. I decided to go the other way of I don't want anybody to feel the way I've felt. And I'm going to do what I can to try to be that change in the world, things like that. Obviously, I can't not make anybody hurt, but... You know, I can do what I can. And it's just interesting to me that even that desire was something that I had in the first grade where I recognized some of the kids, you know, deep desire to play with this toy. Mm. And, you know, part of me is like, well, I know how that is to not get to play with the toy. So let me mm. give you the toy. Hmm. And that's what's so weird. Have like, you ever why? done the, the Myers-Briggs personality test? Yes. And I always forget the letter because um, there's just so many of those fucking letter yeah. combinations. <laughs> the one that the guy who made it up, that's that's the... That's the one that he is? The one, Whatever one that he... The guy who made the test, uh-huh. whatever his was, is what mine was. That's how I remembered it. Because they referenced a few people like who had similar whatevers. And that's how I remembered. I was like, okay, wait, the guy who made the shit. <laughs> Let's see. Who started the... I think it was like the... Because Myers-Briggs is like two It's like two women, but they started it after that man. But I don't know yeah. what his name is. I think I had the same one as like the guy that it was off of. Oh, my God. Like the INF. Do you think it's INFJ? I think it is. Do you think it is? The is one it the that one that Oprah is? I can't remember. Okay, well, we'll just. I have to, we'll have to come back to, to that. Yeah, I'll have to like, I'll have to email you that yes. so that you could just put it in like the the you know somewhere in like the yeah. caption. Um, no, because I did take it and I know it's horrible that I don't remember, but there's just so many different like kind of things that I've done in my life that I that as I'm like I don't remember all my shit. Yeah, like, yeah, but those tests know. sometimes show you like so much. I remember that test really did. I was like, wow, that shit read me from cover to cover as well. And it really called out a lot of my sensitivity and being an empath and my, like, there's this, I think they call it the INFJ door slam. Hmm. It's this thing where, and again, I may be getting the fucking letters mixed <laughs> up, but I think that's what it is where you, and I know door slam is in it, 
where that personality type has a certain way where we will let you over and over and over. I'm going to let you keep fucking up to a certain point. But there's going to come a certain point where I'm like, no. Mm. And I slam the door and that's it. Ain't no getting that door open again. That's it. I've decided (laughs) no more. Like, you're not coming back in. Mm. And it's because you rationalize that. I've given you so many chances Mm. and I've been understanding repeatedly. I've been empathic, not even just empathetic, you know, where I put myself in your shoes. I was empathic to the point where I literally felt why you did what you did and understood it because of that, but also understood that you're going to keep doing that shit. So I'm keeping this door fucking closed. There's no, it's just off. That's it. Like a light. It's not coming back on. And that's something that my mother, like, and I showed her and I was like, oh, I was like, this has been me my whole fucking life. And she was like, oh, my God. Like, she just had a moment of, wow, I didn't know this, like, that, you know, there was a thing, like, she yeah. was like, but that is you. She's like, your whole life you've been like that. She mm-hmm. was like, you really, she was like, you give chance after chance after chance after chance and you will fight for somebody. Like, you know, I'll really go lengths. But when I've reached my limit, I've reached my limit kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's no going back. And don't you think that's super important with the work that you're doing? Yes. Because and that's you something. you give and give. Yep. And you need your own boundaries to protect yourself. That's true. And I, you know, I need that reminder. And I do think I need it to be a bit primal in that way where it's just instinctual to do it. Because, you know, as an empath, you get so caught up. And, but I want to help them. And, 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 yeah. and it's like, you know what? I know you want to help them. But, like, bitch, like, you might not be the ones to help them. Yes. <laughs> you know? Like, that's the thing. Like, I think we all get caught up in a bit of being self-righteous in that way mm-hmm. of I can fix them. I can help them, whatever. Even if you're not a healer. Literally, all of us have been there. Mm-hmm. But I think it's that self-righteous piece of since I'm not them, I can help them. You know? But it's like, you might not be who needs to help them. You know, people be like, but I did everything right. Maybe you weren't who was supposed to help them. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were supposed to step up and they didn't step up. Like, yep, it's not on you. Yep, yep, that's so true. That's mm-hmm. so true. I see that playing out in my life with in several different areas, and it's just exactly that. And sometimes people get caught up, but mm-hmm. yeah, you got to set boundaries. What are um, some of your fondest memories of life in Brooklyn? Because you rep Brooklyn yes. hard. Even Flatbush, right? Yes, Flatbush. So does I die. Um, Flatbush was really, especially for me, such a big piece of my childhood. Um, I bounced around a bit throughout Brooklyn, um, but mainly settled in Flatbush for the like majority of my life. Um, like since middle school on after that, it was just like Flatbush, Flatbush. Before that, it was, it was Flatbush too, but I ended up in Sunset for a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, in the fifth grade. But one of, I think one of my favorite memories overall, and this is going to sound a little bit, (laughs) you know, to some people, it's probably going to be like, bitch, why is that your favorite memory? (laughs) (laughs) Um, but one of them was, I, and it was part of those just like routine kind of thing. Um, but growing up, I remember going with my father, like, every night to the bodega to play, you know, lotto or whatever, and he would always, 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 if it wasn't a 40, it was 224 ounces. It's like, oh, you had to have more than a 40. You need to, you needed to have, like, an extra couple of ounces, I see. (laughs) Um, and I remember he would get that, and on Wednesdays, I was allowed to get 
one thing of candy. He would not say a piece. He would say one thing. And I always ran with that because I was like, well, you said one thing. So that means a whole pack of Starbucks. So that means a whole pack of Swedish fish. Or this means like I was I was like, no, I'm not getting no penny candy. I'm asking for the whole dollar thing that I can break off for the whole week because I know I can't get back until Wednesday. Um, But that was definitely one of my favorite memories. It's how I learned, you know, and who would have thought that a man from fucking Baruch Housing Projects would have taught me a nursery rhyme along that walk. Like, just it's just one of those things, like, why would you think yeah. that that's what, you know? But that's how I learned the whole starlight, you know, star bright, first star I see tonight, yeah. you know, thing, um, was with my father on those walks. And it's, like, kind of, it's very nostalgic for me because it's, like, I know everybody has this idea of Brooklyn being this one way where, you know it's just nitty gritty and it is and you know obviously now it's getting less with gentrification but at that time it still was you know the gritty brooklyn you know kind of neighborhood even if you were in park slope there was a time where there was fucking crack noodles in the playground like you know it's been one of those things and i think like that's what made it so special to me that even though I knew I grew up in this borough that was looked at a certain way by the rest of the city, there was still these pieces of softness mm. that I had. You know, the men in the bodega that we saw every night, they knew my name, they yeah. knew me. It was this whole, hola, mommy, you know, yeah. and you felt like a grown up. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm mommy today. <laughs> I'm not even princess, I'm nothing. <laughs> like, I'm a whole grown lady. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, I was so excited. And, It was that softness, and I really, you know, it was so beautiful for me. And then I think one of my other fondest memories was when I was growing up, I used to get my hair done on Sundays by my mother and braids. It was fucking hell. It was Sundays at my crib was not fun. Sounded everybody thought I was getting beat, you know, (laughs) and I was just getting my hair done kind of thing. Um... But one of my favorite memories was when I got my hair relaxed for the first time. And I will never forget walking down Fifth Avenue, feeling like the flyest bitch ever. Because for the first time, my hair was like long, long, silky, silky. Oh, my God. I could run my fingers through it. and Nothing got stuck. <laughs> like, it wasn't in braids for the first time, like, oh, my God, in years, like, without having to sit with mad rollos and stuff under the dryer. Nope. I, it was just, you know, beautiful. And then, like, walking down my block, you know, going from Fifth Avenue and Park Slope, where I got it done, to then walking down my block in Flatbush, you know, I just felt like that bitch. And obviously, I didn't know that, you know, that was a feeling at that age, because yeah. I was only in, like, um, like, the fourth, fifth grade. But... I just felt like that was such a rite of passage for me as a Brooklyn girl because I'd had the twists out. You know what I mean? I had had the twisties. I had mm-hmm. all the other shit. But now I finally had my hair relaxed. And obviously, you know, years later, we know that shit's not good for you. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> at in the that time, moment, mm-hmm. it was this thing of like coming to age, yeah. you know, yeah. and feeling like you were one of the girls, like, but in this big girl way. Like you were you grown. Know? Exactly. Yeah. And like, I don't know, there was just something about that and being, and it was during the summertime. You know, summertime in NYC is just a special time as it is. Like, you know, and everybody, I remember everybody was extra nice to me that day all of a sudden, you know, because a bitch had straight hair. And it's like, oh, you got that good hair now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, you should not embrace for once. Oh, you got hair? Like, okay. 
<laughs> but it was just so like I don't know. It's just so beautiful. And one of those things, like, people try to recreate those scenes in movies, you know, where the girl walks out, like, you know, the beauty salon and stuff. She's dressed down the street or whatever. And everybody on the block, like, oh, you got your hair to girl. Yeah. You're looking cute, you know. <laughs> and I dead had that moment. So that's why I'm just like, you know what? As much as those chemicals was horrible for me, <laughs> that has to be two of my most nostalgic and favorite memories from my childhood in Brooklyn because... There was so much other shit, like, you know, getting ices at the pizzeria, stuff like that. When you used to go to the real Chino restaurant and you would actually sit, you know, in the fucking shit. And because I felt like everybody forget that that was actually a thing in New York City. Like even in the hood, that was the shit to go and sit at the Chinese food spot. Like and not the takeout one, like the actual restaurant where they had like the fucking waterfalls and the (laughs) fishes always. There was always fish and waterfalls. (laughs) Yeah. And tea and those crunchy noodles. And yes. Shit. Oh, those Yo, crunchies. Those crunchy noodles are so much better than the ones that they give you from takeout. Yeah. Like yeah. the fresh ones that they made, yeah. my good. Yeah. But it's like from the pizza and the ices, you know what I mean? Like mm. all those things, they were very nostalgic. But so was also the stuff that, you know, I guess came with family and also just that neighborhood family too. Because mm. that's one thing about growing up in Brooklyn. No matter what block you grew up on, no matter what complex you grew up in, no matter what apartment building, you know, even if you grew up on a block where you actually did live in a house, you know, everybody kind of knows each other in some sense. And even though people think that this place is some horrible last place, you know, listen, I I haven't been held at gunpoint in Brooklyn, so I get it. It I'm not going to sit here and say, like, Mm -hmm. but my ass walked away Mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it was because there was this piece of that Brooklyn kinship and that, you know, and it's kind of like, I think people don't give that much credit to those parts where, listen, as much as this shit was gritty, there was a lot of beautiful stuff in it. So Mm -hmm. you just had to look hard enough. Yeah, that's really important that you talk about that because I don't think that that gets enough time or light i think a lot of times people either talk about like the new brooklyn Mm -hmm. or when they talk about the old brooklyn it was like yo it was a shit show you know so i'm really glad it was but at the same time like i'm kind of tired of people acting like we wasn't living it up at the same time Mm -hmm. you know the 90s was a beautiful time everybody (laughs) for some reason had money we was all fly (laughs) like even i I don't know people might have dealt with getting their lights shut off but for some reason they were still fly you know what i mean Mm -hmm. everybody was still traveling and going to disneyland no matter Mm -hmm. where you live like I don't know. The 90s was a very strange time where it was crazy as fuck and bad shit was going on. Mm. But for some reason, there was still some kind of like, yeah, you know, some, some people made things work. Yeah. Like, I guess it was that era of making the best with what we all had. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah, I hear that. Um, so you are Boricua and you're proud. Yes. Um and, you know, you grew up within your, your culture and you were exposed to spiritual practices <clears throat> that ultimately prepared you for the work that you're doing today. So, like, in general, what was your spiritual life growing up? Well, something that, like, we all kind of were aware about to an extent, um, you know, whether it was, like, my father referring to, you know, my abuelita as a bruja, you know, things like that, or referring to other relatives that were... You know, and then also learning from them and stuff like that, like from my abuelita at a point, um, you know, it's one of those things, like, I guess, like, we all just, it was just life, you know, like, having, she make collares for all of us, you know, and that was just, the, like, 
I didn't, you know, for me, I didn't know that this shit wasn't a regular thing for yeah. a lot of other people yeah. kind of thing. Like, so for me, it was just very regular. And I remember, like, there was a point where I even was making, you know, certain crystal bracelets as a kid. Just I wanted to, you know, it was something that, like, I, I remember I had asked for, like, you know, whatever, one of those kits mm -hmm. to make one of the energy crystal bracelets or whatever. And that was one of the things I asked for one year. And I, you know, my mother got it for me. Like, thank God. That was the, you know, I think that was also the time of, like, get your kids the crafty shit yeah. and just leave them alone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they'll leave you alone if you give them the same. No, thing. that is. Yeah. Like, because we wasn't playing video games the same way, no. you know? So yeah. it was, I think that was also it. But, like, you know, I just, I grew up with that. And that was a regular kind of thing. I know for me, I grew up where I, you know, for me, astral projection or lucid dreaming was just how I dreamed. Like, you know, I didn't know that people didn't see other people's auras just naturally. You know what I mean? Until I got older and I started, you know, when I was reading certain books, I was like, oh, people don't just see that shit. Oh, oh OK. Like, you know, I thought a lot of stuff was just how people I thought that it was just normal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The only reason I slightly didn't think that it was was because at the same time, my father was very big on explaining to me that there was a time where, you know, and this comes to why I guess, you know, a lot of people in the Latinx community, especially, you know, and people of color, I find have a hard time with this kind of work is that. You know, he was like, there was a time where we had to practice this in secrecy. You know, we had to name patron saints and stuff like that. You know, all of that. And, you know, in order to not be crucified or, you know, killed, all these other kind of things. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, so I kind of understood that at the same time, that that was still a bit of what went on today in different ways. Yeah. Um. And that, you know, he would say to me, like, you know, certain things you're not allowed to show nobody, you don't share, all that other shit. Mm -hmm. You know, so I didn't speak about certain things with people or wear certain things in public. Yeah. Um, but there were also other misconceptions that he pushed on me because he didn't want nobody to know. Mm -hmm. And it was also a bit of him not wanting to face his own stuff within that work, mm -hmm. um, which I totally understand. You know, especially because mm -hmm. I was a hard-headed ass daughter who was always trying to make him do shit that he ain't want to do. <laughs> so, like, you know, stop drinking and all that shit. So, yeah. I was that daughter. <laughs> so, I totally, you know, I definitely understand. Um, but growing up, it was just like, we all, you know, kind of just knew, you know, and everybody had their own kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, and that's one thing I really do emphasize whenever I do speak about this is that everybody in my family, whether it's on my father's side, my mother's side, whoever's side, has their own gifts in different ways and uses them in different ways. And whether we would both sit here and say that we do the same thing is probably not something that a lot of them would say. You know, they'd probably be like, no, I don't work with what she works with. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and they don't. Yeah. And that's okay, though. But that's because there was also this kind of emphasis on different is okay. Yeah. And that I'm going to have my own path and you're going to have your own path. Mm. And, you know, we all are going to have different gifts and do different things. Yeah. You know, I also am that person who has the dream before somebody passes away kind of thing. So that wasn't easy. And dealing with that in high school was really hard because mm. that's when I really started losing people in my family. Mm. So it was one of those things where it was always there and I didn't always know how to deal with it. 
even though I did have assistance because some of it was just so much, you know what I mean? Without trying kind of thing that, you know, it's, it's a lot. And, you know, my abuelita lived down in Florida. So that was also hard where, you know, I, in high school, learned a lot from her, um, you know, but that's because I got to visit her a lot more, but that's because she was going through chemo and stuff at the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so as much as I learned a lot more during those times and we got to, you know, share a lot more with each other, it was also, you know, it was also kind of hard. Like, but, you know, I remember, like, she always had Vela's lip for everybody. She always had something going on for everybody. If she made Coyara's foot, yo, it was always a whole thing. Like, uh-uh, these are set out for you, and these are for you. That one's not for you. Like, you know, and I still have um, I still have mine. I don't wear them publicly uh, because as much as, you know, some people don't mind, and I don't always have an issue with it, and I sometimes wear them publicly. Um, I'm also just very particular about, you know, I don't necessarily want to get asked certain questions and things like that, and also, you know, I don't want to risk them breaking, considering she's not here to fix them for me, and as much as I could restring them, it's not the same. Yeah. You know, so... I definitely think that growing up, for me, it was present. It was there, and I understood it, and I learned a lot about it just Mm -hmm. through growing up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it just was kind of common knowledge. Were there any rituals that you learned that you still practice to this day because they they ring true or they're nostalgic for you? Um, There's definitely some, uh, especially one around my period that my abuelita helped me with um, Mm -hmm. many years ago when I had really horrible period one time with her and i still have bad periods um but i remember i had such a fucking horrible period one time nothing was working they gave me a hot water bottle they gave me ginger tea with no nothing which is like oh my god super disgusting yeah and nothing worked nothing was doing it and so she took me to the room and you know did a whole thing and you know i won't go too much into detail um but she I definitely do perform that one on myself a lot of the time, you know, surrounding my period. Mm -hmm. And it's probably one of the few things that actually does kick those cramps out Mm -hmm. and shit like that. And it actually makes my period shorter, um, which I know everyone's like, oh, my God, please tell me it. (laughs) But it's like I would, except this was one that was apparently crafted for my specific need. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the other ones is also just, yo. The classic, and I know this isn't a whole ritual, and everybody's grandmother tells them to do this, but the classic, Florida water for everything. Agua Florida for everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Throw it in your bath. Throw it around your crib. (laughs) (laughs) Throw it everywhere. Carry it with you. That ass. Like, I, I live for that shit, and, you know, she... She's somebody who definitely taught me about that, um, you know, and how all its many, many, many different uses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and she taught me some other things, too. But it's just like a lot of the stuff that she taught me, um, I have I do have it, you know, kept tucked away. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting because as much as a lot of it, you know, is very based in, you know, organized religion in a sense you know like santeria etc because it's still it's still a religion in sense yeah you know there's still kind of rules and how you go you know and kind of steps and certain things like that to be respectful of and stuff not so much about like if you follow this yeah i mean it's not so much that's just like you gotta be respectful yeah um 
you know, very, I have to say, like, it was something that still there was a piece of her in each of them. Like, mm. she put her little twist on each of them. Um, and I definitely learned a lot of remedies, kind of, you know, like, more like curandera type of, you yeah. know, remedies um, because of her, which was really helpful. Um because, you know, at this day and age, I've been finding that, you know, spell work is popping and necessary and ritual work is necessary and popping. But so is just, you know, also knowing about herbs and what's, you know, a quick remedy and yeah. shit. Like the day and age that we're in, like, you know, we're trying to reconnect to plant medicine and having kind of a bit of that training has been really helpful because, mm. you know, it's like even just a few bits, you know what I mean, that I have is really great. Um, you know, even from telling me about the stuff that she used to mix together when my father was sick as a kid kind mm -hmm. of thing, mm -hmm. you know, even that stuff, like I tucked that stuff away because I was like, nope, I need to remember this. Yeah. Because when I have kids, if this happens to them, I yeah. need this. Yeah. I need this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, fucking stories about dipping, you know, cigars and fucking alcohol and different herbs and lighting it on somebody's forehead <laughs> to take the fever out, all that shit. Yeah. And somehow not lighting they throw <laughs> on fire or their face. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it took the fever out. Yeah. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, I really grew up hearing all of that. And so I guess that's also for me where I didn't understand that that was witchcraft craft at a point yeah because i was like what was she talking about that's just the shit my abuelita did to make yeah. sure my daddy like survived yeah <laughs> yeah so i think that's also where i'm realizing that like what i perceive to be more normal life and just way of living is also obviously witchcraft mm -hmm. and you know i got to realize that as i got older mm -hmm. you know more educated about the world and yeah. shit um, but it was something that, you know, definitely got passed down in a lot of other ways to, um, you know, it's kind of hard to sum up real quick, but it led me to be able to at least have a very solid foundation of also different perspectives, mm -hmm. um, you know, because she really was a bit eclectic with how she did it in a way of like, there really were so many different avenues that she used her craft, you know, through mm -hmm. that. I have become kind of that person who's like, well, how can I incorporate, you know, spell work into self-love work, you yeah. know, or how can I cast a spell that helps with my anxiety, you mm -hmm. know, things like that, um, and kind of take that stuff to, you know, the next level or the 2018, 2019 <laughs> level that we yeah. need to be because, you know, our ancestors probably weren't doing, you know, spells to make sure that they wasn't anxious. I yeah. mean, if you're going to war, probably. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. the rest of us, mm, probably not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, you know, and obviously, yes, there probably were, but it's still a piece of, for the most part, not as much. And I think, like, now that's where this generation has been bridging the gap. Yeah. And I've noticed that's been my thing kind of as well as, you know, connecting that bit of ancestral knowledge and connecting that bit of the generations before knowledge kind of thing and bringing that into what we also know yeah. about this world and things like that. And do you feel like there is a rise in curiosity and wanting to tap back in amongst young people these days i definitely think so especially because so many of us growing up we either didn't hear about it or we did hear about it but it was kind of like no don't do that yeah 
you know um or even if you did grow up in it sometimes you got told not to like be too curious mm-hmm. because you could do you know you could invite something in that you weren't supposed to mm-hmm. all that stuff mm-hmm. and it's like i feel that but also going and checking out some different books and doing some googling does not necessarily mean that i'm inviting you know inviting yeah. a certain entity in yeah. just because i'm reading about this now obviously i could make myself more susceptible because i may be opening my mind up to certain things that i shouldn't okay yeah but they do that to us in school yeah they do that to us when we turn on the tv there's mad shit that we should not fucking know about that we know about yeah and i think that it's kind of your responsibility even as a young person to take that on and be accountable where i'm gonna learn some shit i don't want to learn about yeah and i may open my mind to some shit that i really probably shouldn't have and that's how we learn to be able to discern what am I supposed to check out and what am I not supposed to check out, you know? Yeah. If And that's why I think, like, you know, everybody always says, like, you know, people who are successful aren't afraid of failure. And I think that's something that is really important to keep in mind with healing work especially because you're going to fuck up. There's going to be times where you definitely could have done more, you could have done better, whatever. That's just how it is. Social workers feel that way. Like, that's yeah. my shit. Is if you think a social worker feels that way and you're not going to, I don't understand why you think you're so special. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I don't. Mm-hmm. Because even when they speak about all these different religious people in different things, you know, growing up, whether it's Jesus or hearing about stuff, you know, with the Orishas, everybody went through some fucking strife. They all went through some fucked up shit. And some higher power was like, what did I tell your ass? <laughs> or something, you know what I mean? Something yeah. along the lines, you know? And it's what, this is why I sent you here. Yeah. So go fix this, yeah. you know? It's like, why would you not fuck up? And why does it mean that those fuck ups have to then define your ability to do better? Who's to say that that fuck up isn't going to be what then makes you the best healer there is after that? Because you grew from that experience. You know, for me, I've had a lot of fuck ups in life that have made me able to relate to so many people. Mm. And I think that's kind of where, you know, as much as my family laid a spiritual foundation for me, I think my life experiences also took me a way different, you know, route of being a bit more open minded about certain things and being more flexible with certain stuff. And, you know, it's not easy but i do think that's a big piece of it for me Mm -hmm. so um it seems like you began speaking openly about mental health and and all of this after the passing of your dad um can you describe in how whatever way you can what changed within you that shifted you wanting to be internal and like reflective versus like trying to speak out openly and um you know be try to heal others through your personal thoughts? Well, for me, I'd kind of, I'd been that person who was always talking about mental health and stuff like that since like high school and kind of addressing it um, in different ways, not mm-hmm. the way that I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, and always being self-aware in that regard, especially because in high school is when I started confronting my father about his alcoholism and things like that. And addressing that, you know, this has caused me a great amount of depression and anxiety, you know, and being told by that, you know, in true Puerto Rican fashion, I'm the parent, I make the decisions and I say I don't have a problem, so I don't have a problem. 
So no, I'm not going to stop drinking. You know, even though I just sat there and like basically told you like I'm miserable because you drink. Like, yep. You know, yep. and what it does to you as a person and everything. And I remember we sat there in silence after I had nothing left to say for like, you know, and I had to sit with him for like an hour and I had nothing to say. And I, you know, dealt with that by I started seeing this woman, Miss Perez, in high school. And shout outs to her because she really did not take no shit from me either and made me, you know, deal with my shit. And I, you know, dealt with it a lot through her and becoming more self-aware and working on my own shit. And then when I, you know, graduated high school, I dealt with my own anxiety and depression getting even worse. I mm -hmm. dealt with some situations that caused it to become worse mm -hmm. and stuff and acquire some other shit that I was like, what the fuck? I already had enough. Why am mm -hmm. I now acquiring another fucking disorder? It yeah. yeah. Like, the fuck? <laughs> um, and then when my father, you know, I feel like the years building up before he passed away were very important towards me speaking out. Because I really had to watch somebody who not only that I loved and respected, admired, you know, all of that. But I had to watch somebody literally just let everything go down the drain, basically. And as much as there were moments, yes, where I'm never going to say that my father didn't fight. In certain regards, he definitely did. I'm not that person who's going to sit here and be like, no, he ain't do shit. He ain't try. Mm -hmm. No, he did try. He tried really fucking hard. And, you know, I have to give him that. But it was something where at the same time, he didn't want to try in certain ways. He wanted to commit to like a magic pill where then that's it. One fix, then I don't want to drink no more. I don't want to mm -hmm. do this. I'm fine. I'm good. I don't need to do anything anymore, you know. And it got to a point where everything was just so bad that he was not the person I grew up with. And there were moments where I I had to parent my parent, obviously. There was a lot of moments where I saw things that I don't think anybody should have to see. Fuck somebody's child. I don't think anybody should have to see those things. I don't think anybody should have to do the things that I did um, you know, especially for their parent, there were times where I carried my father in from outside on the street because he couldn't get inside. He couldn't even stand up kind of thing, you know, while and that was years ago at a point, mm -hmm. you know, it was more than one occasion. There was times where I had to literally break into his fucking apartment when my parents were separated because nobody had heard from him for like two weeks and mm -hmm. we were all wondering and worried and, mm -hmm. you know, if he was dead or something mm -hmm. and, you know, I had to break into his apartment and see it unfortunately looked like something that I would never recognize. My father was one of those OD meat freak kind of, you know, Puerto Ricans <laughs> who was like, I know this is dirty. I can't go to sleep without the kitchen being clean. Literally would tell everybody I can't sleep with a dirty kitchen. I, would, I, I can't I can't go to sleep. And, you know, so for me, I'm like, this, this is completely the opposite of even that. Yeah. This is no longer the man who gets up with pride in the morning to go to work every day. And, you know, that I understand fine. But there was just so many other things that watching all of that, I was just like, this is too much. And it was complicated because speaking out about that and trying to get family to be on board with that 
with trying to get him to, you know, do something about this. Go to rehab. There was times where I even was like, yo, I'll go to rehab for smoking weed. And I know I ain't got a problem with that shit. But I will fucking go if that means we both go yeah. and you get what you need to fucking get. Yeah. I, I will dead ass as like a 21-year-old. I don't care. I'll, I'll go. Like, yeah. you know. But getting other family members on board was so complicated at times. And I won't say that with all of my family members. I'm not generalizing in that aspect. Obviously, there were some who did, you know, attempt to help, and I'm very thankful for that. But there were some that were not so helpful. And it was because there's that stigma in the of-color community especially, you know. And it's also like, it's almost kind of as if, you acknowledging these things about this person means that they're not a good person anymore yeah. or that they didn't do these amazing things or that now that I said this, it means he's a horrible father. Yeah. And it's like, no, I would never sit here and say that. But would I say he was perfect? No. Would I say that he did do a lot of things, unfortunately, that were fucked up because of his alcoholism? Yes. Did he fuck up as a parent? Yes. Did he let me down? Yes. But would I say that he was a horrible father? No. Mm -hmm. I'd say that he was somebody who was broken at a point. And I don't mean broken as in you needed to be fixed, but just, you know, there comes a point where you feel you have a broken spirit. Yeah. And it's kind of hard when you feel like, what do I do to, you know, piece that, patch that back up? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I guess I decided, like, yo, I went to bat with family and, you know, didn't win. Uh, and I did all this with my father. I, you know, chased him to try to make him go to rehab, tried, confronted him repeatedly over his alcoholism, done rode in the back of ambulances with him to go to the fucking hospital because I convinced the fire department that he was a fire hazard and they <laughs> needed to take him <laughs> because... Uh, you know, smoking cigarettes and he wasn't able to get up and there was all these empty bottles of alcohol and I was like, this is a fire hazard. You need to make him go. You know, and the fire marshal was like, you know what? You're right. Mm -hmm. Sir, you're going to have to go to, you either have to go willingly or, you know, and I never wanted to put my father in that position of feeling like he had no choice. Um, I guess what happened was, you know, aside from being young is I felt I had no choice. And I guess the choice that I felt I had was either make you go to the hospital so you can at least get some fucking fluids in you, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and I'll go with you. I'll ride in the back of the ambulance with you. I'll make jokes the whole time, even though you pissed off with me. And I definitely did. And I remember that time the guy, you know, this one time, especially the guys in the back, you know, the EMTs were like. Your daughter really fucking loves you. <laughs> they were like, I don't, I, excuse me. They were like, you know, excuse me for being so frank, but your daughter and your wife really fucking love you. And, you know, my father was like, yes, but they're just so dramatic. I was like, I know, we belong in a novella. <laughs> like, they, I was like, you're the perfect character for it. You blend right in with us. I don't know why you act like you ain't part of this. Like, I was like, come on. I was like, you know, me and you watched all those fucking novellas with Abuelita for what? I was like, we were practicing for years. I was like, what, you thought this, like, came out of nowhere? <laughs> you know, and, of course, I had to make it funny and things like that. But that's kind of what pushed me is I had to find... You know, it was so hard and so shitty for me. And I was like, I don't want somebody else. And obviously, I can't stop somebody else from losing a parent. Yeah. Or I can't stop somebody from drinking or being an addict or any of that stuff. But if I can at least raise awareness about this stuff so that we start giving a fuck, 
so that we stop silencing truth tellers and families so that we stop deciding that they're crazy or they don't have their own voice that they're you know listening to what somebody else has said about this parent or this family member and are now just spewing it mm. you know if we can start recognizing that if we acknowledge somebody's mental health problems, it does not mean that we are trying to say that they're a fucked up person. We're saying, you know what? This person might be fucking phenomenal, but they've got some shit that's working against them that's keeping them from being even more phenomenal. Yeah. And if we worked on that, then they, like, imagine what the fuck? You yeah. know, and that was my thing is, and I would say to my father, imagine how you, like, how great you could be without alcohol. You did all this with alcohol. Imagine what you could do without that shit. And it was something that ran in my father's family mm -hmm. along, you know, and it was, you know, alcoholism, addiction, abuse ran in the family, a whole bunch of shit. And I understand, you know, how we all cope with trauma is very different. Yeah. And it sucks, but... You know, after my dad passed, I was like, listen, I done chased this man into the fucking grave trying to get him right. And it broke my heart. But I also decided that the same way my father let his desire to want to change the world and, you know, help other people kind of drive him in life. I was like, I'm going to honor that. And I'm going to work with that. And I have to say, I've been very blessed where he is one of my spirit guides. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess it's also because he knew that I wasn't taking no for an answer. Because <laughs> I was like, listen, if you're not going to be what I needed you to be here, I'm going to need you to do that on the other side. <laughs> Thank you. You ain't walk me down the aisle. You ain't rub my belly when I was pregnant. None of that. So I'm going to need you to do some extra shit. Yeah. And I, you know, I guess that's also what pushes me is, you know, my dad had so much shit. And was, I guess, the cause of so much of my shit, not just in a way of environment, but also genetically down the line. You know, and this doesn't mean that everybody in my family has a problem. No, but I, you know, luck of the draw. Mm. I didn't have the best luck of the draw, I guess, mm. when it came to that part. And, you know, because some of my stuff is chemical and it's a mixture of I see how it affects me and I see how it's affected my family and my father and you know, me, I wish that we could all just get along and everything could be fine again. I fucking wish, you know, but things like that change families. Yeah. And I didn't want somebody else to, I guess, lose what I did. Yeah. And it's weird because now it's like mental health is kind of a trend to yeah. talk about. Yeah. And I'm not against that. I'm against it in certain ways because I do think that the idea of a trend is that it's then going to get phased out. Yeah. And I think that we need to make this a conversation that does not just become a trend. Yeah. I want this to be something that is a norm. And, you know, at the same time, I'm very happy that so many people are speaking about this stuff the way that they're speaking about it. Because it's like, yo, if we keep having these conversations, the next generation and the next generation, etc., if, you know, the earth can withstand us for that long, um, really has a much better shot yeah. at being exceptional people mm. you know i just i guess it's also, i just realized how many of us you know even in high school and middle school like certain things looking back like i've recognized certain things and certain people that mental health wise had there been awareness around it that person probably would have been like a a something student all this other shit you know and it's just like it's not just about stopping addiction it's about helping people 
who are at younger ages who are unaware about certain things they're experiencing or having parents who then tell you that you're just ungrateful, you're not depressed, you're just yeah. lazy or you're ungrateful or you're bored. Or it's like, you know something? All right, maybe I am bored because I'm bored with feeling like I have no options. Yeah. But maybe I'm also genuinely depressed. Maybe yeah. I am clinically depressed because of the environment we live in or because of what goes on in my school or because of the luck of the draw of genetics. It happens. And, yeah. you know, we forget that trauma has happened generations ago that was not healed. And that stuff does get passed down. That's yep. the thing everybody forgets. Like, we like to acknowledge it with the Holocaust, but we don't like to acknowledge it with the rest of us. And I'm not saying that we should not acknowledge anything with the, you know, when it comes to the Holocaust, because that's very important. But I'm like, why can't the rest of us apply that yep. to our generational trauma? Yeah. Not saying there needs to be this whole struggle Olympics shit about it, but it's like, why not model it off of that where that's been accepted? So why can't we accept the idea that this kinds of trauma that went on for centuries from you know being you know whether you were a slave on a plantation i don't know why people think that trauma has not gotten passed down i'm like y'all do know that shit must have gotten passed down because yeah. it was day in and day out yeah 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 you know it's just a lot of shit and it's like my father passing i guess was the spark of me being like well i can't sit on my ass no more yeah, yeah. and the other thing of i am not chasing somebody anymore and playing you know, superwoman to somebody and performing missions of saving someone. Yeah. And I think, like, as much as I would never exchange those years for anything, and I know that sounds crazy, like, who would want to, you know, but it's this thing of, like, I'd rather have that than nothing. Yeah. I also know that I have to use what I learned in those years with him as I move forward. I have to use that with my empathy and my being understanding of why some people are not with the shits and why some people are not ready and respecting that and being okay with that. Obviously, I did not respect that my father wasn't ready because I was like, no, you're my father and I'm not going to take no for an answer because yeah. I'm the child and yeah. I can be the fucking child. Yeah. Like, I have to be the parent a lot of the time for you and me, mm -hmm. but I'm going to be the fucking child. Mm -hmm. And I think like, you know, doing that and being so open and so honest about this stuff on, you know, whether it's Instagram or at events or, you know, other platforms, I think, like, that really has made a difference because I've even had certain moms reach out to me and be like, you changed how I look at anxiety and now I can see my daughter for who she is. Because I had struggles with my shit with my mother. Like, God bless her. She didn't think that anything was wrong with me, so I'm not knocking her. But it's that piece of, like... You know, I made you. You're perfect. Why would you be why would something be wrong with you? Mm -hmm. You're my creation. There can't be anything wrong with you. And she didn't understand why my anxiety was exhibiting itself the way it did, my depression, none of that stuff. And some of it she did get, you know, when I was in high school getting tattoos and piercings before I was eighteen. She was like, Okay, I already know what this is connected to. And she was right. I was like, You're right. I was trying to release and I was trying to, you know, whatever make my father be present in some fashion you know it was a bit of both and it's like that's why those moments are so special to me because i look back and i'm like yo i had that moment with my mother where she didn't see me for who i was mm -hmm. and now i'm changing that for this generation yeah you know i've had other people be like i opened up the conversation with my mother about her drinking and now we're in a different space where she's asked if i would go with her to a meeting 
you know, all kinds of different shit. And how does that make you feel? Honestly, it makes me so happy because I'm like, I already know that this may not be the start to the end, you know, especially with addiction. But I do know that the fact that people are even at least opening up to this is progress and important and makes me feel like I'm at least doing what I set out to do instead of just ranting on Instagram for no ass reason. Yeah. (laughs) And I think, you know, I think um, this couldn't have happened if you weren't vulnerable. No, and I agree. I think if I wasn't so raw and decided to be like, you know what, I'll fuck it about <laughs> it. <laughs> like, you know, like, I didn't decide to. And I think I would have, I, I don't think people would resonate with it the same way. And I totally get it. Like, I'm not all here for, you know, the way people do trauma porn these days just because I feel that it's kind of like y'all are asking people to open a can of worms on the internet yeah. or in a public space, but you're not giving them any coping mechanisms for mm. when they leave for what to do with these fucking worms. And now that's that's not healthy either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that's why they tell you don't go to your therapy, one therapy session, unload everything and then never go back. You know, even if you have to go back and tell them, listen, I did not vibe with you. I really need you to connect me with somebody else. You need to go back because the problem is you can open this kind of worms that then you have no idea what to do with and you yeah. might have been suppressing all this time yeah you know and it's not to say you shouldn't open up but you do i think we have to be mindful about how we open up in these spaces and being vulnerable is important but i think we also like i said have to be mindful about how we do it and that's why i've been very open but also at the same time i've mastered that ability of you know I'm so open that everybody thinks they know everything, but at the same time, they know nothing. Yeah. And I think that's kind of not just the safe way to do it, but one of the best ways to do it because, um, you know, and obviously everybody's different, but just the best way for me because I know that what people resonate with is that they can find themselves in my words and things like that, my voice, etc., and that's important. But at the same time, I don't want to trigger somebody. I don't want to set somebody up for disaster. You know, I want to be mindful about what I'm doing and accountable for what I'm doing, you know, and raising awareness in a way that is productive and helps people feel like they can go and make, you know, do something about it. Yeah. As opposed to feeling, oh, my God, that shit was so heavy. I just have to sit here and decompress. Yeah. And then you never go do something about it. Yeah. You know? Um, so I think that vulnerability is important, but I do think we kind of have to be mindful about how we're being so vulnerable mm. at this day and age. Because mm. I think so many of us do it, and that's beautiful, and it's important. But it does kind of concern me that some people are doing it in spaces where they're not left with the proper tools. And, you know, the internet is full of fucking assholes. So it's not always the safest place to be so vulnerable, Mm. you know. Um, But I do feel like had I not been so vulnerable, people probably would have been like, well, what the fuck do you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I get it because that's how I used to feel was how the fuck do y'all bitches know what the fuck I go through? You don't even sound like anybody that I like hang out with. So how can I relate to you? And but did you ever expect people to like your work to resonate with so many people? I don't think that I expected it to resonate with 
such a diverse group of people yeah i think that's what it was i think i expected it to be kind of like a thing for you know probably people of color for the most part um i really had not and obviously i got nothing against white people like it's not you know whatever do what y'all want to do i just have this thing where you know white people on a regular basis usually white men sometimes white women you know, come at me for my voice, my accent, things mm-hmm. like that. And I'm just kind of like, all right, that's cool. I'm not for you. Y'all all want somebody who sounds like Sally the homemaker, but she's already on TV. And you already hear a million commercials from her. And that's why I'm doing it the way that I do it. I'm not changing my Brooklyn accent, no matter how much other people may not like it. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, that's fine. But there's a fucking million of you already talking about this shit on TV. Yeah. And even these white people don't want to listen to you anymore. <laughs> like, they even want to listen to my annoying fucking Rosie Perez sounding ass. Like, I don't think it's annoying, but apparently this large group of white people does. So, you know, it's kind of like, that's what's amazing to me, that I've been able to reach people. Like, I've reached people in Europe and shit like that where I was just like, what? I ain't even been there yet. Like, that's why I'm like, what? I've never been there. Like, y'all fuck with me? I ain't never been there. You know, I got people back in people in Africa. I'm like, the fuck? I was like, wait, back in the motherland? Y'all fuck with me? Wait a minute. Hold up. What's going on? You know, you so much shit. And I'm like, these people, like, all over fuck with me. Like, yeah. And it it's crazy to me because I'm just kind of like, I understand, like, it sounds stupid from my mouth where I'm at now. But to me, I'm like, I'm still just this girl from Brooklyn with this big-ass Brooklyn tattoo on her chest that most people, when I got it, asked me, why would you do that? I know you were Brooklyn head, but the fuck, sis? Why would you ruin your chest like that? I was like, well, first of all, I ain't got no titties, so I don't understand what the problem is. I ain't ruined nothing. There was nothing there to ruin. (laughs) But the other piece is, like, Brooklyn has really been something that raised me in a lot of ways and kind of given me that tough exterior but soft inside that I think I need to be able to be this vulnerable and be in the limelight in this kind of way, yeah. even just on social media. Like, because, listen, I ain't the most popping person on Instagram and none of that shit. I'm getting there. But I ain't there yet, you <laughs> know. You're definitely there in I'm, your own I'm, way. I'm getting, I'm getting yeah. there, you know. And I'm very, like, I'm very amazed by that, honestly. I just low-key still be like, yeah, fuck with me like this? Like, why? Like, okay. Um, but I feel like at the same time, all of this has really come together because I've had faith in that, even if it didn't resonate with a large diverse group i knew it was gonna resonate with some people yeah and the other piece was i was like even if it doesn't i need to give it a shot yep because i was like i haven't heard somebody with my accent my voice or just even somebody that i felt i could relate to voice wise who was speaking about this specific stuff you know because there's certain people on Instagram that are fucking amazing motivational speakers. And I love the way they speak about certain things. But I noticed that they don't necessarily focus on mental health. And that's okay. Because that's not their focus. And I, well, I'm going to make you go focus on something that ain't your focus. Yeah. Like, no, I should just go out and start doing it myself. Exactly. And low-key, that's the message I have to everybody who wants to get in my comments and tell me about what I need to make a video on. I feel y'all. But like... It may not be my avenue. Yes. And also, a bitch got mad anxiety. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but I really wish people understood this. 
when you ask people on the internet who you do not know in such a commanding way of i need a or you need this video or it's like you know that's a whole lot of pressure you putting on me and yeah. you're not paying me either yeah. like you're not my boss <laughs> with a deadline and it's not to say that everything should be paid but at the same time you're some stranger on the internet now you may support me where you like my shit, you comment on it, you help me with the algorithm. That's cool. I appreciate you. Fucks with you. Great. But at the same time, what are you really exchanging with me that you're now asking me to make this minute long video that also takes me thinking of how am I going to word this? Also prepping, you know, energy wise. Mm -hmm. And people don't know. But I be sending y'all mad energy when I do those fucking videos. That shit is exhausting. There's a reason why y'all feel so fucking good <laughs> off of a few simple ass words put into 60 seconds. It's yeah. not just because I'm talking. Yeah, yeah, you this know. is true. And a lot of people don't know that because, you know, a lot of people consume and they and, you know, no shade. Like no, we no need shade. people to consume. Yes. But to be on the other side to make something for them to consume especially something that you're talking about and the avenue that you're going down it's like i'm not just making these videos like i'm reflecting i this takes energy from me i have to like prepare myself mentally for what i'm about to put onto the world what how you're gonna receive it what you're gonna say to me you know like it's not just that easy thank you it's not just that easy so it's very easy for people to just be like oh throw it out there like oh you need to do this you need to do that but you're not the one behind the scenes doing this thank you and it's also like you're not the person who may deal with a whole bunch of people then in your dms talking about how you sound mad annoying can you shut the fuck up you sound so stupid i've dead had people in my videos talking about oh she sounds so fucking stupid i don't even know why anybody listens to her and i mean like how do you how do you maintain a healthy relationship with instagram when you have things like that going on i have become the queen of delete and block because I admit I used to engage and I would go back and forth with certain people because I was like, no, fuck that. Who the fuck are you to have this opinion about me? You don't yeah. even know me. Yeah. Like, you know, especially Brooklyn shit. I yeah. was like, fuck out of here. You don't even know me. <laughs> like, the fuck? <laughs> you know, every time that happens, I low-key have that whole, like, you know, T.I. song come in my head where I'm just like, you don't know me. Like, <laughs> see me in the streets. You don't know me. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just... I really am big on the delete and block stuff because the thing is, those people, I've come to understand that they are committed to whatever comment they made, Yeah. right? And you are committed to making a negative comment, and that's cool because if that's the energy you want to continue to feed into the universe, that's your business. Mm. I don't need to be on the receiving end of it, though. And so I can dismiss it in a certain way, and obviously I don't necessarily see every single fucked up comment but when I do see it, I delete it and I block the person because I just don't have time. Yeah. Like, the thing is, I could argue with you, but you committed to this. So you're never going to listen to me. Right. So what's the point? Yeah. I might as well go, you know, move on to the next person who actually wants my help. Yep, 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 yep. And help them out. Yeah. But also with that kind of stuff, I think it's important to remember that. And I guess it's also is beneficial because for me in a way where kind of been through this middle school was not easy for me i definitely did get bullied in middle school which people are like bitch what do you mean first of all y'all ain't go to middle school with me so y'all don't fucking know what, what went on in that middle school it was not easy for any of us who went there to be quite honest not you know no shade to nobody but i know i was not the only one who went through some shit mm -hmm. um you know a lot of fucked up shit happened in that school um but it kind of prepared me for having to learn how to 
cope with there's gonna be people who say fucked up things to you in life that you dead ass don't ever see again mm-hmm. and with it being on the internet you really probably won't see them again because yeah. it might just be somebody who literally lives in another country and i know there's crazy people and what i mean by crazy is people who have this like intent of like i'm gonna come fly out to your city to find you and do some shit and it's like you know what i feel you but for the most part if you're worried about that that's what you're kind of you know invite in and it's not to say people won't do that even if you're not focusing on that they might mm-hmm. but you have to stop giving a fuck because to be honest most of those people are too pussy to do that yeah and i don't even mean it in a way like that but it's just like they also have too much going on that they already miserable with yeah and i empathize with that where i'm like you don't need to waste that flight on me boo <laughs> It's all right. Just stay there. Invest that in yourself. You know, do that. But it's also like the people who want to talk shit on the internet to you like, and be fucked up to you. You have to understand. It took somebody like however many minutes out their day to sit there, come up with the perfect fucked up thing to say to you. And most of the time they misspell it and just leave it in your comments. And they walked away and they felt good about that. Yeah. And it's kind of like if that's what makes you feel good. I don't want I, I really don't want to engage with you. Yeah. Like I'm good. That's yeah. not anything I want in my life. And you're not my person to yeah. address. Yeah. You know, there's been some people where I was like, you know what, get the fuck out my shit. Like, you mm-hmm. know. But I've come to a place where I'm just like, I'm not doing that with everybody anymore. Yeah. That's so that's and that's self preservation too. Exactly, because that's the shit like my job is not to argue with everybody who is intimidated by me. Correct. Because it doesn't mean that I'm intimidating. It no. just means that you're intimidating. And that's by not me. your problem. Exactly. That's not your problem. I don't even fucking know you. Exactly. That's my shit. <laughs> if I don't know you, this really cannot be my problem. We <laughs> don't know each other. Yeah, like, it's true. It, it ain't no personal beef because we dead ass don't know each other. Yeah. So why the fuck you so mad? Yeah. Like, yep, yep. I hear you. I totally hear you. Know, you. So I think we got to remember, and it's hard if like somebody. You know, I understand with cancel culture and that kind of stuff, it's very difficult where you're like, yo, what if somebody did that, right? And that's something, like, I low-key have worried about. I know everybody who has become any kind of somebody at this day and age has somewhat worried about that because literally everybody getting canceled for literally everything. Yeah. And the other piece of that is, do you see how many people have bounced back from that? They always seem to bounce back. Yeah. And it's also a bit of, you know what? If all those people are going to decide to cancel you because you made a mistake and it sucks that it might be over 100,000 people, but those 100,000 people, depending on the mistake you made, might show you that that's just how thorough you need to be with yourself as well. Yeah. Where it's like, you know what? All of y'all couldn't give me the opportunity to grow. Not one of y'all who has fucked with me for all this time and consumed mad shit from me has decided, not one of y'all, has decided to say, let me say something to you about this and inquire, why are you doing this? Let's unpack this. You're not doing that with me? Then you know what? I can't be that upset that this many of you don't fuck with me anymore. It doesn't mean I shouldn't self-reflect on what I did, but getting caught up in that these individuals no longer fuck with you is not the point of that lesson. Yeah, I hear you. You know, like, I, I think you. that's what we have to remind ourselves is to separate that shit. And, of course, that's, like, Mission Impossible, like, if it's that many people. Yeah. But it's important to remember that, you know, there's also going to be probably 100,000 other people who empathize with you, who haven't been given a second chance. Yep. Who wanted a chance for redemption and actually did try to fix the shit 
where they fucked up yeah. you know and yeah that might be your story to tell yep absolutely you know um can i jump into some rapid fire questions with you all right so what is your favorite time of the day morning noon or night 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 what is your favorite puerto rican dish God, that's fucking hot. <laughs> I can't. I don't know, but that one's hot. I don't know if like, I have this one. Okay, what's your favorite snack then? Wait, wait, wait. My favorite. I'll give you. A, I'll give you a favorite Puerto Rican snack at that soon. Okay. It used to be chicharrones, but I'm being better. I'm trying to be healthy. And okay. I'm trying to be better. So now it's um the platano chips with the the maduro ones. Okay. They're mad good. I don't know why they're like that sweet salty combo. Yes, I love that too. Uh, what is one thing? It can be a product, a gadget, whatever, that you cannot live without. A product or a gadget, let's see. Oh, I cannot live without Agua Florida, as I said earlier. <laughs> yes, there I we go. <laughs> or pink Himalayan salt. It's a tie between those two. Amazing. What is your favorite self-care routine? Let's see. Washing my face, and I know that seems really stupid, but no. it's just so minimal and simple that I'm just like, bitch, you clean now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like now it's like you can move on. Yeah, I'm like, bitch, you washed off all that caca that go on your face <laughs> all the day. Like, yeah. oh, you free. Like, and it was just simple. You know yes. what I mean? Like, one, two, okay. Yes. <laughs> if there was one message you could get out to the world, a quick one, what would that message be? Let's see. What's one that I haven't already told everybody? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say that the one piece of advice to everybody is don't give a fuck about who's watching because we always worry about if somebody important is watching. But the reality is somebody important is always watching, whether they are somebody in the limelight or not. And it's important to look out for those moments of somebody being important without you recognizing it off rip because let me tell you those people tend to have the best advice after you did something that you're like yo oh my god i just embarrassed the shit out of myself they tend to be like oh my god you looked amazing <laughs> i loved that <laughs> like you know there's times where i've you know been afraid about who's watching me as i picked you know whatever i was doing on my hair or some shit yeah. like who who in the beauty shop is going to judge me as i walk out right and there'll be people in there who i never see they're not even regulars right and it's like no instead these bitches is all like oh bitch yes i love this color on you <laughs> and i was worried like damn nobody even here that i know on the regular is here to say something mm -hmm. right none of my important people these people who ain't even regulars help boost my shit you mm -hmm. know so that's why i tell people don't worry about who's watching because even the most important people might not be you know quote unquote significant in your life at the moment love that um i'm sure everybody who's listening who isn't already following you wants <laughs> to follow you where can they find your work where can they find you online so that they can follow you right now so you can follow me on instagram my ig is ethereal.1 or etherow.one so double entendre whichever works for you um or you can check out my site on spiritualmommy.com i love it emilia thank you so much for this thank you for having me this is great this is so good I hope y'all enjoyed that episode. Emilia's a gem and inspiring so many to rethink their ideas and standards of spirituality and wellness. I so appreciated her vulnerability and honesty on where she's gotten to where she's at today and know so much more greatness is coming her way. As always, thank you for listening. I'm sending you lots of love, light, and good vibes. We will chat next week.